What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Thursday, July 21st, 2022. And holy smokes, guys, do you want Juan Soto or what? It has been a really fun 24 hours talking with people on Twitter, watching the reaction to last night's B-Shape Daily, which again, if you haven't listened to it yet, Go ahead and do that now. You should do that before listening to this one because tonight's episode will only add to the lore that is the Juan Soto proposition for the St. Louis Cardinals. I will talk a little bit about Soto tonight as well because I received a couple different questions that I think people wanted some clarification or some expounding in terms of the fit for Soto and what that might do to the remainder of the Cardinals' strategy at the trade deadline. Like, let's say they make this happen, this Juan Soto-Patrick Corbin deal, whatever it ends up costing. And I talked yesterday about what my strategy would be if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals and how I would go about trying to broach this topic with the Washington Nationals, just based on what we know. And some of the things that we think we know may not be true, but we're looking at reporting from Jim Bowden of The Athletic. We talked a lot about that in yesterday's episode in terms of, well, the Nationals say they don't really like Matthew Libertor a whole lot, so maybe that's not a fit. Okay, do I know that to be true? No, but if I've got somebody out there like Jim Bowden, who we we believe to be pretty connected in the industry, former Major League Baseball GM, right? He knows more than I do in terms of who likes who and who doesn't like whom, you know? And so even if we think, well, his word's not really worth that much, I'm going to go ahead and for the sake of the argument, just say, all right, if he says it, maybe let's bake ourselves into a worldview that includes maybe the Nationals not being that high on Matthew Libertor. And then we kind of go from there and at least try to talk about what could be realistic. And his big report on Soto yesterday was the Nationals are looking to include Patrick Corbin, lumping him into a Soto deal and and his $60 million or so that he's owed over the next couple of years. But they also want major league ready talent, big league players. They also want top prospects. We talked yesterday how they're not going to get all three. Doesn't seem like that's realistic. If that's what they end up holding out for, my prediction, Soto does not get moved to the trade deadline. They're going to have to concede in some area of that concept. It's either they don't put Corbin in there and they can get multiple big league talents, multiple top prospects, or maybe they put Corbin in there, they pay him down a little bit, but they have to sacrifice on the prospects or the talent. That's major league caliber. It's just going to have to be one or the other. And so that was something I talked about a lot yesterday as well. Scroll back on your podcast feed for B-Shaped Daily. I got to say, I appreciate you guys a whole heck of a lot for listening over the last 24 hours. That episode has been one of the most popular of the year. Really, it's had the most listens already since any episode we've done since April. So appreciate that a whole lot. And if you're one of the people who was like, I want to check out what this dude has to say about Juan Soto, about what he could do, could he fit with the Cardinals, that kind of thing, but you don't normally listen, now's the time to do it, folks, because I'm telling you what, down the stretch of the season, even after we get done with the trade deadline, Cardinals baseball, I think with the quality of this team, they're right there in the wild card mix, in the central mix, we're going to have some Probably some October baseball to talk about. So sitting with B-Shape Daily, hanging out with us is a great way to stay tuned for all kinds of Cardinals talk. So subscribe on Apple, subscribe on Spotify, either way, Google Podcasts. That's another place you could go. Would appreciate having you guys along for the ride. It was really uh, 
appreciative of one DM that I received over the last day. This was from Caitlin who told me, hey, I listen every day on my way to work. Really appreciate the podcast. It's awesome. It's my favorite Cardinals podcast. And I thought that's super nice of you to say. But she also said, have you considered doing a Patreon and maybe it would be something where people would be able to to donate to support the work that you're doing. And I said, you know, that is the ultimate goal here is to try and make some sort of a living out of this. Like I write for KMOV. I do the radio show in Columbia. I, this is what I want to do with my life and my career. But I'm trying to add this Cardinals podcast to that and see if I can't make something of it. And so if you're I've never really said this a whole lot. I sort of make reference to it on occasion. If you're somebody out there that's like, yeah, this guy's doing some good work and I'd love to toss him five bucks a month, like that'd be great. I'm not in a position right now where I'm going to say you got to do it or you can't listen. No, I want this to be a free podcast that people can enjoy. I, I want to build this up into something that people do appreciate and just continue to make it bigger from here, allow more people to hear it. That being said, I want to make it clear. If you want to support this endeavor in any way, you're welcome to do so at bshafer 12 on Twitter, you can let me know. I think even on my Twitter account, I've got it set up to where if you click, there's like a little icon on my profile to connect to my Venmo and you can you can Venmo me if you want. It's just Brendan Dash Schaefer on Venmo. That's what my handle is. Just make sure you spell it right. I, it, my name is spelled super weird. But it's not going to be something where I'm, I'm turning this into a Patreon podcast. That's why I haven't gone the Patreon route because as far as I'm aware with that, you have to basically tell people, okay, if you if you do the Patreon, here's your access to the podcast. I'm setting the podcast up the way that it's always been, and I, and I hope to continue to do that in the future. But it would be really appreciated. This is something that down the road, yeah, I have to I have to find a way to eventually make some money off this thing. So, hey, if you appreciate the show and you want to throw me a couple bucks every now and again, I'm telling you what, I would not say no. But that was something that was really nice. So thank you, Caitlin, for reaching out. But more importantly, thanks for listening I love having you guys along for the ride. And it was so cool to see the reaction to the Soto episode. I had people throughout the day saying, yeah, I like that you're talking about Soto in this way because he is a unicorn, guys. He's so unique. And I feel like there are there are folks out there, and I respect the work that a lot of people do in this market, whether it's writers, radio people, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of them, and I, and I love them all. But I feel like you're missing the forest for the trees almost if you don't recognize the unicorn that is Juan Soto. Listen, I realize that the Cardinals need pitching. Of course, I watched the team for the first half of the season. This team is not going to get by on the starting pitching that it has without a great deal of good luck. And I feel like that's almost what you have to hope and pray for if you're going to go into the second half with just the same group of people that you've had. You say, well, Steven Matz is healthy now. He can turn out. Jack Flaherty, maybe by the end of August, he could turn out. That's wishful thinking, folks. I don't think it's just automatically going to happen. And then you bring a guy like Palante into your rotation, whereas maybe he'd be better suited for your bullpen. Now you're weakening the relief group as well. I think a starting pitcher would be fantastic. However, it the need for pitching does not trump, in my mind, the opportunity to get a unicorn, a truly unique player in Juan Soto at 23 years old. Don't care about the extension. I saw John Fleming put on his STL bullpen website. He wrote a, wrote a blog today. That said, basically, it doesn't matter if you can sign him long-term. You get two and a half years of Juan Soto. You get three Octobers of Juan Soto. That's what I've been saying this whole time. It's not like he's a rental, guys. You'd get a couple months in 2022 and then two full seasons. 
If he doesn't want to agree to an extension right away, who cares? You know what he does want to do? Go play for a World Series opportunity. And I think that if you added him and you got lucky with the way the pitching would break down, you might have that chance, if not this year, into the future seasons that you'd have him before you even have to worry about an extension. So that's kind of the thoughts that have been rattling around in my brain over the past 24 hours. I went into much greater detail yesterday on Soto. Once again, scroll back. I think it's episode 247 on your podcast feed, talking about Juan Soto to the Cardinals and whether it's realistic and talking about the factor of Patrick Corbin being involved, maybe making it much more attainable for the Cardinals because it's just going to cost you money, not just money. Like you'll have to pay prospects. And I talked about what I would see as the starting point. I'm so bad at talking. We're almost nine minutes in here. I had mentioned about five minutes ago. Here's how I would begin with the Nationals. And then I never actually got to it. This is why nobody pays for the podcast. It's not that good. Okay. So here's what I would do, though. I would look at Dylan Carlson and Jordan Walker, and I'd say, I'm trying to keep them safe, if at all possible. And if I'm taking on Corbin, I think I can do that because I'm telling the Nationals, you don't want this money. You're trying to sell the franchise And if you can get this ugly Corbin money off, that's going to make it a more attractive situation for the new ownership group. It just makes sense. Now, I think it's cheap of the Nationals to go that way. They should just try to get the best prospects they can for Soto, and they should buck up and pay Corbin because they said they would and don't take less money for the premier unicorn player of Juan Soto. But at the same time, if that is the route the Nationals want to go to basically dilute their return by including Corbin... That's where the Cardinals swoop in, in my opinion. And I know with Jim Bowden's article, he basically said, no, they want everything. They want the players, they want the prospects, and they want to get rid of Corbin. I'm sitting here telling you that's not a thing. Like, that's not going to, it's not going to go down that way. Remember the Arenado trade. They, and I'm not saying it's apples to apples. It's not. It's different situations. But when you talk about bad money, Arenado wasn't even quote unquote bad money. It's just money the Rockies no longer felt they wanted to pay. So they gave the Cardinals money to take him, and they took some prospects, but not really any elite ones. And so if I'm the Cardinals and I'm looking at the situation, I'm telling the Nationals, look, we'll take Corbin, but you're not getting Jordan Walker. Top 10 MLB prospect right now, according to MLB and Baseball America. Both rankings have him in the top 10, either 7 or 8, depending on who you ask. Can't have him. Dylan Carlson, four years of team control remaining, I believe it is. Can't have him either. Sorry. I know you'd like a replacement for your outfield. So let me float to you, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader. Either of those sound interesting? Oh, no, because they're almost free agents as well, and you don't want to have to pay them because you're being cheap. Okay, that's fine. Alec Burleson, he's a top 100 prospect per Baseball America. You can put him right into your outfield and see what you've got, and you've got six years of team control. He's not going to be the main figure in the deal because he's toward the end of the top 100, right? So... We recognize that. We're going to have to buck up and give you Mason Wynn or Nolan Gorman, one of the two. There's got to be a centerpiece to this deal in some way, shape, or form. Would it cost both Gorman and Wynn? I don't know. That's where I'm I'm just doing speculation here. I'm telling you what I would do as the Cardinals. I'd say you can't have Walker or Carlson. What about Wynn or Gorman? Would you like one of those with Burleson? And then which pitchers do you like? If you don't like Libertor, What about McGreevy? What about Zach Thompson? Is Andre Pallante interesting? I like Andre Pallante a lot, but again, you're trying to get Juan Soto. You got to make some sacrifices. If that's somebody that they could plug into their rotation they feel good about and they don't like Libertor, okay, maybe that's the, the direction you go. 
you have to it's a negotiation. We don't know from the outside who the Washington Nationals would actually covet. And so it's really hard to build a, a trade package. But I'm explaining the way I would go about it is to say, here's who you can't have, and that list can't be 10 names long, right? It's Juan Soto. you got to recognize it's still an elite player. An elite doesn't even begin to describe it. This is a guy that doesn't go on the market. It just never happens. And it's happening in this case, and you want to be the team to jump on top of it. Worry about the extension later. I'll take the two and a half years, and I'll take my chances of a World Series within the next three years while having Goldsmith, Arenado, and Soto all locked in as the middle of your lineup. That sounds fun. And maybe Tyler O'Neill as well for at least the next couple of years if he's not involved in the trade. I don't want to trade Carlson because I think he's too good as a cost-controlled asset who can still show more than he's shown offensively, and he's darn good defensively. He can be a center fielder. If you trade Bader, Carlson's your center fielder, and you're fine with that. Again, I don't know if they'd want Bader because Bader is closer to free agency, and they don't appear to be a winning outfit right now in Washington, D.C., but I'm looking at it and saying, hey, Mason Wynn, this guy is is shooting up the prospect board. He'll probably be top 50 by March of 2023. So you can have him. You can have uh, the pitcher of your choice, really. People say, what about Jack Flaherty? No, he's injured. That lowers your trade value. And again, he's a free agent after 2023. He's coming up. That's not where the Nationals are looking to go. That's not valuable to them. At this point in time, I wouldn't think. If healthy, yeah, maybe. But the Cardinals wouldn't be talking about trading him if if he was healthy. But if it ends up being a couple of pitchers, I don't think there's a pitching prospect. Like, Tink Hentz is one that's really interesting to me. We talked about him a little bit yesterday as well. Second-round pick in 2020. Only has been in low A at this point, but he's still a teenager. But really high upside to where he's so far away from being a big leaguer that so many different things can happen. I would trade him at this point if it meant sealing the deal for Soto, but it wouldn't make me too comfortable. And I would be looking at it as, all right, if this is who you want, Washington, recognize that that takes a pretty big chunk out of the rest of the package. You probably still get a Mason win. You probably still get Burleson, but you, we're, at that point, we're looking for filler, especially if Corbin comes. If it's not Patrick Corbin, if the Nationals say, nah, forget the Corbin thing, we want the best names we can get, that's a different story. I'm not saying you can protect both Walker and Carlson in that case. I don't think you could. And whether or not the Cardinals should make the deal at that point, up for debate. I say that you got to find a way to get Juan Soto if it's on on the table. You got to you got to come away from that negotiation with the guy, even if it's painful. I don't know about Walker and Carlson and Win. I don't think I'd give all three. But that being said, it is Juan Soto, and there's one of him, and these guys do not come to market. They do not become available in this fashion hardly ever. So it's really interesting to me. I know that we talked about Juan Soto for 45 minutes yesterday. So I'm done doing that right now. Let's move on to some of the other names that the Cardinals could go at for the trade deadline. Because realistically, the Juan Soto thing, even though I think there's no reason the Cardinals don't make the trade, like they're such a good fit for it at this point in time, that's a a big ask of John Mosellock a general manager, a president of baseball operations who hasn't made that kind of deal in July in a long time. Even the Matt Holiday deal doesn't quite compare, and that was 13 years ago. So this is very unusual circumstances, and I think it would be very difficult to expect that the Cardinals will do it, even though, hear what I'm saying, 
I think they should. I think they legitimately should make every effort to do it. And the only reason it doesn't happen is if the Nationals end up being so unreasonable with the asking price that ultimately nobody gets the deal done. Because for as much as people have said, well, the Dodgers and the Yankees, they could pay anything they want. They don't care about the Patrick Corbin money. Take it on, and they'll give you good prospects. The Cardinals have seven top 100 prospects, according to Baseball America. Nobody else has that. So don't tell me that there's no way the Cardinals could compete with a prospect package compared to what the Dodgers or Yankees could offer. I don't believe you. They could if they wanted to do so. Even guys like Nolan Gorman, he's not even a prospect anymore. He just was a top 100 prospect, though. Brennan Donovan, not a prospect, but there's 29 other teams that would like to have Brennan Donovan right now with what he's done so far for the Cardinals. So again, I just don't agree with the notion that they couldn't compete with the kind of package they could offer. They absolutely could, but will they do it? It's another question. So let's talk about some different names, and we're primarily going to be talking starting pitching, honestly, at this point. I saw Benjamin Hockman had mentioned this name in an article that he wrote for the Post-Dispatch today. This is a guy I've been on as well. It's Pablo Lopez of the Miami Marlins. He's 26 years old, and he's not a free agent until after 2024. That's the same timeline as Juan Soto. I believe he's good for this year, good for 2023, good for 2024, and then he'd be a free agent. Here's what he's done this year. 104 innings pitched prior to the trade deadline. Not the trade deadline. Prior to the All-Star break. He's got a 2.86 ERA in those 104 innings. 18 starts. So pretty good innings per start kind of guy. He gets deep into games. He helped along with a reliever from Miami. Shut the Cardinals out back in April. 101 strikeouts in 104 innings. ERA plus. 143. It's very good. We talk about. Uh, runs created plus, and we talk about OPS plus a lot on the podcast. I haven't mentioned too much about ERA plus. It's the same concept where 100 is league average, and it's adjusted to the ballparks to try and give you a little bit of advanced data compared to just what has actually happened for somebody's ERA. 143 would mean he's 43% better than the league average starting pitcher this season. He's been very good. ERA below three, good innings eater, decent strikeout total, field and independent pitching, uh, 3.64, so his FIP, pretty good. The whip walks and hits per inning pitch, just barely above 1, 1.067. So very good numbers all the way around for Pablo Lopez. What makes you concerned about him? He's never really had a workload like he's going to have this year. In 2021, he started just 20 games at the major league level, 102 innings pitched. Pitched a couple games in the minor leagues last year, but it was rehab assignments. So it hasn't been for him that he's had the full workload of a 180, 190, 200 innings as a starter. This is going to be his career high. He's one start away from that, essentially. Back in 2019, he pitched 111 innings. That's the most he's ever had. And I don't know the full background on injuries or if he's been kind of back and forth between the minors. Looking at 2019, just a few starts in the minors, not many. 2020 obviously happened. Nobody was throwing a ton of innings that year. So it's just kind of not been an opportunity for Pablo Lopez to be a a big-time workhorse innings eater in a major league season. This is his chance this year. Still pretty young at 26 to where I think you can expect that eventually he'll be able to handle that workload. Like, it's not a massive concern. I think you can, can explain the reasons 
that the workload hasn't been there so far. And I'm very interested in this guy. I don't know what it would cost to get him, and I don't know if the Marlins would even decide that trading him is a good idea. Because I look at the Marlins, and I've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast, look at Miami and the pitching that they have, not only on the way, but the pitching that they've got already here. And it can be pretty deadly in a couple of years. Sandy Alcantara leads the way there. Trevor Rogers was really good last year and then has kind of had some injuries, had some struggles this season. Lopez is there, another guy who's a top-line starter. And then they've got a bunch of prospects like Sixto Sanchez, like Max Meyer, former number two overall pick, I believe, two or three within the last couple of years. They've just got a ton of guys that are really, really good and on the way. Can they all stay healthy? Who knows? But if they decide that for whatever reason they feel comfortable trading Lopez, man, I'm giving... I'm I'm telling them to kind of name their price. Like, again, I don't want to trade Dylan Carlson or Jordan Walker. But otherwise, yeah, I would trade multiple young Cardinals pitchers for this guy. And you can pretty much fill in the blanks on the names. I would trade a top 100 offensive prospect, whether it's Mason Wynn. Yeah, I think I'd do Mason Wynn for this guy. Whether it's Burleson, Yvonne Herrera, if they want to catch her. I don't know if they do. I would be pretty willing to give three solid, solid pieces for Pablo Lopez. You get him for two and a half years, and then you can talk about potentially an extension if you want. And by the way, he did pitch today on Thursday, which is a little bit interesting. Cardinals don't come back from the break until Friday, but some teams did play today. Marlins were one of them. Lopez pitched. He took the loss, gave up five runs on five hits, three walks, striking out six across five innings. So not a great start for him, but I think for the year, you got an ERA of about three for the season. Now it's probably up from 286, probably closer to three. But he's been really good. He's a guy that I would, he would stabilize the Cardinals rotation. My thing is, if you're not getting Juan Soto and you're just trading for a pitcher, that pitcher, in order for it to be worth the Cardinals' while, that pitcher needs to be somebody that is at least better than Dakota Hudson. You go into a game or a playoff series, better yet, thinking, He's my number three rather than Hudson. And Hudson gets bumped back or he gets bumped to the bullpen or whatever the case might be. If And again, the, the, the trade for Soto doesn't count with that. I'm taking Corbin on and happy to do so because I'm getting Juan Soto. It's not because I wanted to go get Patrick Corbin. The way I described it yesterday on B-Shape Daily was that Soto is the prize and Corbin is the price. Accepting Corbin is the price. It's not that oh, you're going to get Corbin because that fixes your rotation. No, 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 no. That's just the price that the Nationals may be determining is necessary if you're going to get Soto. Although I explained that I do think Corbin could do okay in the Cardinals rotation. Nationals have the league-worst defense. Cardinals are top five defensively. And the fielding independent pitching for Corbin is better than a run lower than his ERA with that terrible defense. It stands to reason. I think Corbin could very well be a left-handed Dakota Hudson with more strikeouts in the Cardinals rotation and maybe more consistency in terms of getting deeper into games because he's still been a guy who's thrown a lot of innings. Now, whether or not that's good enough because people are tired of the inconsistency from Hudson, I get that. But I could see a world where change of scenery Corbin could actually be fine here. But that's not the goal. If you're trading for Soto, it's because you're getting Soto. The rest of it is just gravy. If you're actually making a trade to get a starting pitcher, Got to be someone that you trust to be your number three in a playoff series rather than Hudson. 
Pablo Lopez would absolutely be that. He'd be at least your number three, and it's debatable whether he'd be your one or your two, but certainly your number three, and I'd feel comfortable with that. Martin Perez, let's talk about him from the Texas Rangers. I'm not all that interested. i got to be honest. It'd be a rental. He's having a great year. 18 starts, 2.68 ERA, 111 innings. And the strikeouts are yeah, not very impressive. 95 strikeouts, 111 innings. He was an all-star. He's been quite good. I'm just going to run down his ERAs for the remainder of his career. Starting in 2012, this guy's been in the league for over 10 years. Here are the ERAs that he's had by season. 5.45, 3. 3.62, 438, 446, 439, 482. You're sensing a theme. 622, 512, 5, or pardon me, 450, 474. And this year, 268. He hasn't had an ERA for a full season below four since 2013. And now he's having a career year. He's thrown a shutout this season. That's where I say uh, something's a little off with this. I'm not necessarily looking to give major prospects for that guy. You could you could give it a shot. He's a free agent after this season, so he probably wouldn't cost you a ton. He's a left-handed pitcher. That's always nice, but again, I think if it's a buy low and you feel like, wow, that's all it took to get him, sure, that might be a patchwork way to help your rotation. Otherwise, I'm not super-duper intrigued by Martin Perez as an option at the deadline. Some other names that we could talk about. And first, I want to mention this because it was, I mentioned that we'd talk Soto in the context of what would happen if the Cardinals would trade for Soto. Could they then go and still get somebody else? I think the answer would be yes, but then they might be limiting themselves at that point to a Martin Perez type. And this was the question that came in from Jordan on Twitter, which I appreciate Jordan reaching out at B. Schaefer 12. You know, does that keep the options open to add pitching even with the deal? I think it could. I think obviously you're going to deplete some of your your farm system in a Soto deal, but I think you could still pull off a Martin Perez type trade. But that might be the extent of it. You're probably not getting a Soto deal and a Pablo Lopez. In the first place, you're probably not getting a Soto deal. But just in terms of the assets that it would cost to get both deals done, I don't think you can do that but maybe a rental type like Perez could still be possible. And then you maybe would have Perez and Corbin, and that would be really good pitching depth. I think both those things are possible. What would Perez cost from the Rangers? Just depends on how the market plays out, because some years rental pitching like him ends up costing more than others. But would you trade a Zach Thompson for Martin Perez for two months? I would prefer not to. But I could see a world where somebody like that, like a Michael McGreevy maybe, ends up being someone the Cardinals say, well, we just need a pitcher, so let's do it. I wouldn't be super in favor of that, but I could see it being an aggressive approach that a front office could decide to take if they wanted to. And I hate to give specific names like Thompson or McGreevy or whomever else you might look at. Gordon Graceffo is another guy that's top 100 now per Baseball America. I'm probably not looking to trade top 100 prospects for a rental like Perez would be the the short answer. But there's some other guys who maybe aren't rentals. Luis Castillo. Let's talk about the Reds pitchers. Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley have both been interesting. Like Malley's on the injured list right now with a shoulder, but free agent after 2024. So he'd have next year as well. Has been solid this year. ERA four and a half. So not amazing, but pitching injured for some of those outings. The strikeout numbers are good, 102 and 92 innings. But is he healthy? That's a tough question. 
Frankie Montas, another guy that Cardinals fans have talked a lot about. Is he healthy? I, For me, when it comes to shoulders for both those guys, I don't think I could stomach it. I don't think I could stomach the idea of trading for either of those players when you just realistically don't know how long they're going to hold up. If they've already got shoulder concerns before you even trade for them, is it such a good idea to get into bed with that? I would say probably not. Frankie Montas on the 21st of July, which was, I guess, today, he pitched coming out of the All-Star break, three innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, five strikeouts. Kind of a, a way to work his way back from the little bit of a shoulder concern. If he has one more start where he goes five innings and looks sharp later this week, you know, the 26th, 27th of July, and you still got time before the deadline, maybe the Frankie Montas train starts rolling once again. He's somebody that very talented. Cardinals fans were interested in him before the season, and I think rightfully so. But you do got to be careful about the injury, and the Cardinals know what it's like to have a pitcher with a shoulder concern. Jack Flaherty is that guy right now. Montas would be on your team through 2023. And then he would be to free agency thereafter. Again, some of the same names like the Graceffos of the world, the McGreevies, the Zach Thompsons, the Libertors. Right now, I feel like if the Cardinals were honest and they could find themselves a team that did value Libertor highly, I think they'd do that. I think they'd swap him out for a guy like Montas or one of these other pitchers, Pablo Lopez. And if he could provide the headliner to the piece, I think the Cardinals would be willing to do that. I think there could be a little bit of hesitation and concern within the organization right now that Libertor doesn't live up to the billing. Hopefully he does, but right now it's just been a little touch and go this season. And it's early. This has been his rookie year. It doesn't always have to happen right away for a guy. But if you can get a guarantee or what's perceived as more of a sure thing, like a Frankie Montas or even Luis Castillo, who's been really good for the Reds this season, again, Injuries have have plagued him a little bit, but he's got more than a strikeout per inning, 78 innings in 13 starts. These are the kinds of names that I think, are they available with the Reds trade within the division? All questions that need to be asked. Oh, hey, the Giants signed Trevor Rosenthal. I'm on MLB Trade Rumors, and I did not know that. So good for him. But these are these are the kinds of moves that the Cardinals, I think, should be considering. The, the, the Malleys, if you're comfortable with the shoulder, which maybe I'm not with Malley. Montas, I would be a little bit more because he's showing that He's healthy by working his way actually to the big big league mound again. One more start, I think I'd be comfortable with him. Luis Castillo, kind of in that boat of do you, do you know he's going to hold up? You don't necessarily. Jose Quintana, now I'm just looking on MLB trade rumors at some of the names that are listed here as potential trade candidates. Quintana for the Pirates is a lefty. He used to be pretty good, but at this point, I don't know if I'm I'm super keen on the idea of acquiring him. Again, that would be a, a pretty low-cost acquisition, I would think. And he may even have some money left on a contract that the Pirates would, would be looking to get rid of. Let me look and see what he is. No, he's a free agent after this season, so not a huge salary. ERA is under four. Like In terms of just quality, get you through kind of innings as a number four, number five starter, I think Quintana, you could do a lot worse than him. And he's a rental as well. None of the, Any of these guys are all kind of comparable. Martin Perez, Quintana, in that cloud of, of players. I'm just looking to say which one's affordable and which one do I ha- which one can I go get without giving up something painful in terms of prospects. That's the one that I want. If you're going to go the bargain bin, do the one that you can acquire without having to really pay through the nose for him. 
Michael Fulmer, this is not a starting pitcher, but he's a, a reliever for the Tigers that I think is really interesting. He has been a guy that they've tried to use as a starter in the past, and it just hasn't worked. And so they've they've put him in the bullpen for this season. He's been with Detroit his whole career, and he's a free agent to be. And last year they started him on this bullpen train and uh, actually had him as a, as a closer for a while. Had 14 saves last year. Area of 2.38 this year in 35 appearances, 34 innings. So he's been a strictly one one inning kind of guy, about a, exactly a strikeout per inning, 34 Ks and 34 innings. I'm interested in Fulmer. I think that's a guy that the Cardinals, again, it's a flyer, it's a reliever, shouldn't cost you a lot because he's a rental. I do think the Cardinals could stand to get one more really solid reliever. The ones that they've had, like the guys that just haven't panned out, like the Verhagens and different different fellas in that group, you've already gotten rid of Whitgren, you've DFA'd him. Fulmer could come in and slide in and be you can't have it be Ryan Helsley, basically, and nobody else. Like, Geo has even struggled in recent games to where you don't trust him as a back-end guy. I think Fulmer would be a good fit. I think the Cardinals, if they don't, like, let's pretend for a moment that Soto's not happening. I do think that a reliever and a starter would be sensible. Not one or the other. I think both would make a lot of sense for the Cardinals. And then just looking at other starters, there's Perez. We've talked about him. Matt Moore is a lefty. Now they've got him in the bullpen, another guy from the relief side. I think it might be easier to get a reliever or two than it would be maybe to end up with a starting pitcher because I'm I'm just not sure that the Cardinals are going to be able to do what it takes to get one of those starters who's healthy. It's a combination of is he pitching good enough to where it's worth it for us and is can we be confident he's going to stay healthy? I hope the answer is yes. I hope they find a match there, but I, I, I just don't know what that could end up looking like and the lack of certainty is is what just has me thinking all over the map with this one. Noah Syndergaard, that's another name, and maybe the one that we'll end on as I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I don't see any other notable starting pitchers. MLB trade rumors put together their top 50, and most of these guys are are relievers. Blake Snell is on the list. Interesting. I'm not super sure what that would look like, but the Padres are a fun team to deal with because sometimes they give up players that you wouldn't think They'd uh, they'd be willing to float, but Snell has struggled. He struggled with injuries. He struggled on the field, and he's getting paid a lot under contract for 16 mil in 2023. Clevenger is more of an interesting name, I would think, but they're they're dealing with some different kinds of injuries with that team. So let's do Noah Syndergaard, Madison Bumgarner. That maybe is another name that you could think about. Uh, D-backs could look to get out from that contract. That would be interesting as well. But if I if I remember correctly. And I know this has kind of gone pretty much the way of uh, stream of consciousness podcasting here toward the end of this episode. But I'm trying to cover as many names as I can, so I hope you guys are okay with that. Yeah, Bum Garner has honestly not been terrible this year, but the money's bad, which could honestly make him a fit for the Cardinals, right? You tell the D-backs, hey, we'll take him. You're going to have to eat some of the money. And in doing so, it'll mean that you get a decent little prospect piece like, I don't know, a Zach Thompson, a Palante, probably not too interesting for me to, to trade Andre Palante, but that's kind of what you're looking at is giving up a piece and telling the other team, pay some of the money because it's a bad contract. He might be serviceable, but you're paying him like he's really good. Not a big strikeout guy anymore for Mad Bum, but he's only 32. So that's somebody I would take as well. Lump him in with the Martin Perez and the, who else did I say was in that category? Jose Quintana. Lump Bumgarner in that group but recognize that he's not a rental, and so it gets a little bit trickier. But John Mozalak, that's kind of where he works best in the margins, where he can say, well, yeah, we'll take him, but pay down some of his money. 
So he's kind of interesting as well. And then otherwise, I just don't see too many starting pitchers that are intriguing to me. And so what I'm going to do, Brian Reynolds is barely making this list. I don't think the, the Pirates should trade Brian Reynolds. He's not healthy right now anyway. I'd like him for the Cardinals, but I don't know that he's going to be any better than a Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neill. So it's kind of a just swapping swapping players that could end up with similar performances, and that's kind of gambling at that point. So maybe you don't trade for him. But Noah Syndergaard is going to be the name that we're going to end on as I'm going to pull up his numbers and make sure I can I can talk about him with some degree of knowledge. His signing with the Angels has not been particularly effective this year. He is a, a one-year contract, and I think he was trying to get that pillow deal to build up after injury, but he hasn't been able to really show himself the way that I think he thought he could. ERA is right at four. He's only started 14 games, 74 innings, and the strikeouts aren't even there for him, 58 strikeouts. So that's another deal where the name sounds cooler than I think it would be to actually acquire him. But again, the bar doesn't need to be set particularly high after the Cardinals. You need a number four or number five starter, maybe both. Cinder card could be that, but again, I'm not trading a whole lot for him. I'm trading one solid pitching prospect, protect the top couple of guys that you like best and say, we'll give you the third one, whatever the order of operations is there. We know the Cardinals have played that game once and lost because they kept Jack Flaherty and Hudson over Sandy Alcantara. I will try not to harp on that too much, but it is a thing that kind of haunts them. But other than that, John Mozeliak really hasn't given up pitching prospects in that regard. That was just the one miss, but boy, is it a big miss when the guy could end up winning the Cy Young Award this season. So that's kind of the way I look at this. We can continue to talk about trade options all the way through the trade deadline, but I thought the last couple of days, this Wednesday, Thursday of this All-Star Week would be good times to do it because the Cardinals haven't had any games, and so we could completely focus on that. That's kind of going to wrap it up, though, for the names that I've got for tonight. If there are names that I have not mentioned that you would like to hear or names that you'd like to hear more about, you know the drill. At Schaefer 12 on Twitter, DM me. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know what you'd like to hear about. It's a podcast for the people. Keeping it free. Do a little Venmo action if you want, but podcast for the people. I want this to be something that Cardinals fans value and enjoy. And so let me know what what I'm missing and who maybe I'm not covering on the trade market that could be interesting to talk about. For the weekend, I know I've done like 11 days in a row where I've done a podcast. I'm going to try like hell to do one over the weekend breaking down this red series between the Cardinals and Reds. And with the notion of that Toronto series coming up, I'll tell you guys right now, I do think there will be some news coming out about which Cardinals are unable to travel to Toronto. And maybe that will be something that we are forced to unfortunately talk about due to the vaccination situation. If you're not vaccinated, can't travel into Canada and back into the U S and vice versa. So that'll be something that maybe bears discussion. I am in a wedding over the weekend. with It's the wedding for my co-host, Andy Humphrey, on the big show KTGR. He's getting married this weekend. Really excited about that. He's been a buddy going back to college and uh, really excited to go to Columbia this weekend and enjoy that. So it's going to be a little hit and miss on whether I'm able to do something. I'm hoping to be able to just pull my phone out. And if there's big news that does happen, I'm going to I'm gonna do a B-Shape Daily just very rudimentary from my phone, not bringing the whole microphone set up and, and stuff like that because it basically stays here on my desk. You guys wouldn't believe how many pieces of equipment I have to do the radio show. And that's the same stuff I use, though, for the podcast. So my plan is to try and, and, and hit you guys up over the weekend if necessary with the news that breaks. If not, 
Look forward to a rager of a podcast that I'll record on Sunday night and be ready for you guys for your morning commute on Mondays. Otherwise, appreciate you guys as always. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the return of Cardinals baseball. Maybe some big trade news will go down over the weekend, and you'll be hearing from me sooner than you think. But otherwise, I appreciate you guys as always. Please do subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well on whichever Spotify, Apple app that you guys use. That's a huge help if you're able to chip in and do that. But other than that, I'm going to talk to you guys soon, so I appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shape Daily. Peace.